Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Canes now with an opportunity. Stephen Lawrence in his 100 game. His shot right out. Rebound available. Stepan can't get the stick to it. Back to the point. Pesci, his shot deflected by Stepan. Shogren might have gotten a stick to that. Still along the boards, and that'll be pulled away by Mikhaev. Ilya Mikhaev lays the puck off. Toronto into the Canes. Oh, Mikhaev on the backhand. He'll score. the lead with 4-12 left in the first. One second period's underway. Carolina trying to find the equalizer as Stahl gets it out in front. Backhand hit Shea. What a save by Shogren. And Toronto turns the puck the other way. Stahl gets it back to Bear. Bear loads. His shot bounces. Rebound chance. And that's pushed just wide as Niederreiter had an empty net but the puck bounced on. Carolina out shooting Toronto but that doesn't matter. It's coming in as Mitch Marner with a snapshot. He'll score. Marner with speed down the wing. And Toronto now has two goals on eight shots and a 2-0 lead over the Hurricanes. Riley plays it away from Foss. Good work by Niederreiter. It's Holt. Plays that a little too quick. And now a turnover by the Leafs. Foss down low. Niederreiter out front. Stall. He rings the post. A stall. Had Chagrin beat, but you could hear the metal all the way to Simcoe. Leafs lose the puck at their own blue line. Carolina has to tag up. They do. Yes, for Foss now in to the top of the circles. His pass. Rebound. They score! Ethan Bear! On a deflection. Pounds it home. The Canes break the ice. And now it's a one-goal game in Toronto. Now the Leafs working their way back in across. Kashi scores! Beautifully executed two-on-one. Andre Kasha buries his 14th of the season and a two-goal lead reinstated for Toronto. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. Adam Gold with you after a disappointing 3-2 Toronto win over the Hurricanes. Second straight regulation loss for Carolina. Second straight loss in which you could argue they were the better team. But there's a limit to that, and we're going to get to that as we discuss these things here on the Canes Corner Podcast. And Alec Campbell will join us in just a couple minutes. Uh, We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. And remember, you can go online for a free no-obligation estimate. Roofing, siding, windows, they got it all. Aluminumcompany.com. All right, uh, to the matter at hand. Carolina's offense is missing. I don't know where it is, but it is missing. And I'm going to throw out some numbers to start. Then we'll quickly go through how we got to 3-2 Toronto. Then we'll talk to Alec. Last nine games... 10 goals at 5-on-5. Yeah, just 10. 10 goals at 5-on-5. 
20 goals overall in the last nine games. Not good, but we're going to dig down even deeper than that. Two of the goals are empty net goals. Let's tick those off the board. So now we're talking about 18 goals in nine games. We're also going to kick out the two extra attacker goals for whatever reason other than desperation, and it didn't tie the game. You were down two uh, in each situation, and they count, but we're just going to take them out because we're talking about effective scoring. This is sort of like scoring a bunch of runs in the ninth inning to get you within two. Eh, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't, right? So we're going to take those two goals out too. Now we're talking about 16 goals in the last nine games. And of those 16, only 10 of them are at five on five. Power play until the last four games has been very good. Power play is not the problem. Uh, it is five on five. That is the problem. Now we're going to go to individuals. Andrei Svechnikov, one goal in 12 games. Sebastian Ajo, three in his last seven, but hold the phone. One extra attacker, two empty net. So it's really zero. If we're thinking about this in terms of effective in the game, zero in the last seven. Martin Natchez, one in 23. By the way, no offense to, uh, to the broadcast. You know I have great respect for Mike and Tripp. I think we're grading Martin Natchez on a curve. Uh, there were good moments, but there were some hideously ugly turnovers, which we are unfortunately accustomed to. So mixed bag, but at least there were some bright moments from Martin Natchez today, but it didn't generate shots. Martin did not get gen- generate any offense for himself uh, or really his line mates. I thought the best part of that line was really, to me, Vincent Trocek, who was excellent tonight. Uh, there wasn't a lot of excellent in terms of that. Like, I, I, I joke around by using soccer terms, but in the attacking third, Carolina didn't do much. And therein lies a bit of the problem. We're going to get to that. Uh, yes, Perry Kotkaniemi, no goals in 11 games. Seth Jarvis, who obviously did not play tonight, but I'm going to guess will draw in tomorrow when the Hurricanes play the Washington Capitals. Jordan Martinook left the ice hobbled, lower body injury. Rod Brindamore said it didn't look good, so we'll see what, what's up with that. It's a game you'd like to have Martinook because it's a physical game against Washington, and Seth Jarvis has, in my opinion, been ineffective. I think he played both games. Ineffective in both games. He hasn't been really great uh, for the most part in the last two months. Uh, but Jarvis, no goals in his last 18. And the power plays, uh, oh, for the last four games, 10 opportunities. So there's a lot of missing to this offense. A lot of missing to this offense. Big picture. Uh, Freddie Anderson can't allow the first goal, and they really needed the save on the second one. When you're struggling like Carolina is offensively, You need your goaltender to steal one for you. I'm not talking about a game, although that would have been great. You needed him to steal that save from Mitch Marner. Now, was it stoppable? Yeah, it was stoppable. Went between the arm and the body. Looked like it went, uh, you know, between the blocker side arm and the body, wide side. Marner coming in on two on one. We'll explain how those things happened. Uh, But so the first one's an unacceptable goal. Freddie will agree. Second one, I mean, it is Mitch Marner, but it's stoppable, and Freddie didn't get it. Third one, two-on-one, no chance. Uh, Not banging him for that one. Uh, So this is now the fourth straight game in which Carolina has been dominant in the first period. We go back to Thursday night against Colorado at home. Dominant first period. 
got nothing out of it. Zero, zero. The next night, or not the next game, uh, that Saturday against Philadelphia. Dominant in the first period. Get nothing out of it. At Pittsburgh the next day, Sunday. Dominant in the first period. Trailing one nothing. Tonight against Toronto. By far better. Trailing one nothing. Why? And this is a bigger problem. I know Rod likes to talk about uh, as long as you're generating chances, he's not concerned with goals. But here's my point about what they're doing or not doing offensively. For all of their puck possession, they're not generating a lot of great chances. So they're having problems going, taking the next step. It's sort of like moving the ball between the 20s. And that is a big problem for me. All right, Alec Campbell, Stormwatch, Aftermath, Intermissions, Carolina Hurricanes Radio Network. Uh, my man who dreams of Pinehurst number two even thinks that the Hurricanes playing Pinehurst number two is great simply because he saw a picture of it tonight. Uh, <laughs> and, that's, uh, and that's fine. What hole was it? Well, the first picture of KK and Aho and Jarvis is, I think, the 15th hole. Uh, and then the second picture was the 17th hole, both par threes. Oh, I love the 17th. And then the third picture was Seth Jarvis from the fairway on 18. It was actually a pretty cool picture because it looked like it was late in the day. Ooh. So you had sort of the sun coming down on the 18th hole. I mean, not, it wasn't super late. It was, I would call it more like, you know, like 6 o'clock. Right. Something like that. Perfect. Five, five six o'clock. Uh, so the sun was kind of right there. Um so yeah, best best rejoin back into the broadcast ever. Could you see the and statue of Payne Stewart in the background? If you look closely, I mean, I I did not see it. I I was wasn't really. I guess I wasn't really looking for it. But I bet if you know if you look closely, you could probably see it. Yeah, that's one of my but favorite in, places in golf because there's always people sitting on that yeah. the veranda. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's almost like us playing with a gallery. Yeah, it, 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 it's worth going down to Pinehurst, playing a goat track, and then going to the <laughs> veranda to watch people come up 18. Just, just like drink. Even, yeah, like even if you don't play Pinehurst, you should just, if you're in the area, you should just go there and have a couple of drinks and watch people come up. You can bet on uh, people uh, coming up the 18th. Will they hit the green? Yeah. Will they make a putt? It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the history of Fox Sports South and Valley Sports, that's my favorite return from commercial of all time. Great stuff, Alec. Great stuff. All right. <laughs> yeah. let's, <laughs> uh, let's talk about 3-2 Toronto. Um, I'm putting out an APB on Carolina's offense. It has been now nine games. They are, I mean, they've scored 20, ga 20 goals overall, but there, I think there are mitigating circumstances. A couple of those goals are empty netters. Two of those goals mm -hmm. are extra attacker goals. They've had an extra attacker goal in each of the last two. Uh, and only 10 of those goals in the last nine games are at five on five. Do you have any thoughts, any theories about this? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have any theories necessarily about why the puck's not going in. I mean, tonight I kind of felt like 
they 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 were the better team in the first ten minutes of the game and got nothing out of that. But ultimately, through at least the first two periods and a lot in the third too, I just didn't think they were all that dangerous necessarily. I didn't think they got that many clean looks. They didn't. You know the the uh, the shot totals after two periods were almost double in favor of Carolina. But I mean, I remember two great Shea chances to start the first and the second period. I remember a Vincent Trocheck two on one in the first period that got turned away. I remember a Derek Stepan centering feed for uh, Stephen Lawrence in the yep. first period, a backhander that got stopped. And I remember two stall tries in the second period, one of which hit the post. And that's basically it. Of the, of the 22 shots that they got through two periods, those six chances were the most memorable for me. And I'm not entirely sure that all of those chances were, were that dangerous. I mean, the Lawrence chance really wasn't that dangerous. No. Um, you know, I'm not sure the, the, the Trocheck two-on-one was that dangerous. So I, I just kind of feel like they've had some difficulty getting to the center of the ice, yep. penetrating that barrier, getting to the to the quote unquote hard areas, as uh, as our friend John Forslund like to say, mm-hmm. and you know that's an issue, and I, it, it feels a little bit like Toronto schemed it, you know, uh-huh. schemed it up a certain way tonight. I mean. They had six shots in the first period, six shots in the second, nine in the third. They never cracked the double-digit shot total in any period. It was, it was almost like they, you know, like a, you know, like a boxer who was just want, willing to let a team punch itself tired, in a way. And I, maybe that's the formula for Carolina is, you know, if they want to play fast, up and down, whatever, cool. We'll just sit here, and we'll let them skate around. And we'll just pick and choose our spots because I just thought they were, you know, I thought they were the smarter team tonight. So they were a smarter team and, you know, they, they picked their spots a little better and then they executed when they had their chances. And, you know, Carolina didn't take advantage of their opportunities. They were bad on the power play tonight and they just didn't get a lot of clean look. No, they so, didn't. Um, how about 30 seconds in? Uh, Shelgren, the rookie goalie, doesn't have a stick. Brady yeah. Shea makes a nice move and then whiffs. It yeah. just mishandles the puck. He wasn't knocked off the puck. It wasn't taken from him. He just yeah. whiffed on a backhand. That would have been an easy one nothing lead. And maybe that relaxes Carolina. Um, but here's the way I looked at the first period. Yeah, I thought Carolina was the better team. But they're having trouble creating good scoring chances out of all of their possession. If you have a 14-6 lead edge in shots on goal, but scoring chances, not even high danger, but scoring chances are even, then your shots Mm -hmm. aren't very good. And on top of that, they were minus two in high danger chances. So you have a 14-6 edge, but only one high danger chance in the period, although they didn't count the Shea uh, try as a high danger chance. I don't really get that. Uh, that looked pretty yep. high danger to me. Uh, so even if we give Carolina two, that's 14 shots and only two high danger chances. You don't even have to get shots uh, for a high, for a, something to be a high danger opportunity. 
Uh, so they're just not, and th- this has been a pattern to me over the last several games when Carolina has struggled to score, is that they've had a lot of possession, a lot, you know, they've, they're winning the Corsi battle, they're trouncing teams in the Corsi battle, uh, which of course I'm mocking because I don't think that tells us everything, um, but they're just not able to convert the opportunities into good scoring chances and then it's like a numbers game. It's like sales. If you if Carolina is going to get, and there have been games this year where they've gotten like sixteen, you know, grade A scoring chances and scored four goals uh, or something like that. But uh, they're not even translating it to that at this point. Um, and I think what you you what you pointed out about not getting to the middle of the ice. I was thinking about this during the game. If I'm playing Carolina right now, I am creating a box around the front of my net. And I'm going to try to keep Carolina out of it. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait for the mistake. And there were two glaring mistakes. Um, The, uh, the mistake, first of all, Freddie can't allow the first goal, but on the second goal, I'm not sure what Jacob Slavin was thinking with Mitch Marner behind him. Like, don't worry about John Tavares at center ice. Your job is Mitch Marner. Uh, and Tavares tipped the puck, chipped the puck off the wall, past Slavin. That's o- that's over. Freddie might have been able to have that one, but it is Marner. Uh, and then Ian Cole turns the puck over just outside the blue line with a bad pass, and then it comes yeah. in two on one the other other way. So if you wait for the mistakes, if you if you create a box around your net, especially with a young goalie, and you wait for your mistakes, they're going to happen. And Carolina has been getting beat that way. Yeah, I, the Slavin situation was uh, obviously abnormal. And I actually thought he made a couple of good plays in the game before that. I thought they had some, some good defensive plays at times. Mm-hmm. But the, the Slavin play is just extremely uncharacteristic of him. I mean, I don't even understand what happened. Puck just kind of went under his stick somehow. No, it looked like it went uh, around him. It looked like Tavares deflected it off the wall and passed him. Yeah, no, he did. He, he chipped it off the wall. But still, I felt like Slavin had a chance to get his stick on it. Yeah, he maybe. didn't. Um, and then Cole is standing behind the net, like surveying it, taking his time, and then makes a mistake. Like, Dude, if you're going to look, if you're going to sit there and like analyze it for that long, then come up with, you know, a good idea. But, uh, you know, Cole feels there's, there's at least one mistake in Cole's game a night. I feel like one to two. And, you know, he does some good stuff and I like his compete and I like his physicality and I like the veteran nature of his game, but. You know, whether it's a penalty or it's a turnover or it's an inability to, you know, turn and skate with somebody or whatever it is, it's like there's always one or two things a night that are just like, dude, you're killing me. You're killing me again. <laughs> so, yeah, those two those two mistakes were were big ones. I mean, in the end, I didn't think they were that bad. I thought their power play didn't look good. I think they gave up more chances on their power play than they got. The, yeah, I thought the third one uh, generated... Well, I actually thought that the third one was the best of the three, but the third one also, I thought, if I'm remembering this correctly, I thought the third one also gave Toronto 
some really good looks shorthanded. Yeah. That was the most entertaining yeah, so, of the power plays. It just wasn't necessarily a power play. Yeah, so ultimately, I mean, I I don't think they were horrible tonight. I think it was a pretty good game. But you had the combination, and Rod said after the game, and you know, I say this all the time, you know, he said, you're going to make mistakes. It's just we didn't capitalize on the opportunities that we got yeah. to mitigate that. And to me, that's what sports is a lot of times. Like, you know, you're not going to be perfect. Right. I know everybody thinks you're supposed to just run over everybody all the time. But more than likely, you're going to have some adversity to overcome. You're going to have some mistakes to overcome, some penalties, stuff like that. So it becomes about, you know, how do you, how do you make up for those? And the Hurricanes didn't make up for anything tonight. No, we talk about it a lot. We talk about, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier in, the, uh, in this, uh, this is four games in a row now where Carolina's clearly been the better team in the first period, and on aggregate, they're trailing 2 nothing. I mean, it's four straight first periods. Colorado, they dominated Colorado in the first period. It was scoreless. Uh, they were better than Philadelphia in the first period. It was scoreless. I thought they were better than Pittsburgh in the first period on the road. They were trailing yeah. one nothing. Uh, and I thought they were the better team. They just didn't do much with their with the fact that they carried the play, and they were trailing one nothing. Um, again, you know that Freddie. It's an unacceptable goal. Freddie understands that. Um, so, and the second one, while it is Marner, my feeling is your team needed that save. They needed it. You not you can't you know you don't want to fall two two nothing down to that team. Um, they're as dangerous as anybody counterpunching uh, because they're so skilled and so fast. Did Carolina look slow to you tonight? Because I did. I thought they did. Um, maybe a little. Maybe a little. I just kind of thought they were just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if slow is the right word. They just, uh, they just weren't dangerous. Yeah. But, well, they just weren't, they weren't that threatening. They just weren't. They didn't get enough clean looks. Felt oh. like everything was contested. So Svechnikov. Maybe that's a maybe well, that's a product of being slow. Well, I think Toronto just looked faster. I don't think Carolina is necessarily slow. I think Toronto just showed you. I think what we saw from the Maple Leafs tonight was their high end, even without Austin Matthews. We saw just yeah. how good they can be throughout the lineup. Uh, and Mikhaev is obviously good. We didn't even get good William Nylander, uh, but he makes a great play on the Kasha goal. Kasha goal, uh, how many times has uh, Tom Dundon and company tried to trade for Andre Kasha? Three? I think three times. Uh, he is on his second team since the Hurricanes had a deal for Hayden Fleury like three years ago and then couldn't end up doing it because Anaheim had like 14 injuries to forwards and they just couldn't afford to trade another forward. So they had to wait until guys got healthy and by that time Carolina wasn't interested. Uh, or I think Kasha actually had a concussion, so he was out of the lineup. It was just one of those that several times they tried to trade for Andre Kasha, uh, who's got a, a ton of talent but has had injury problems his whole career, and he sort of plateaued, I guess, into a third-line guy, maybe even a fourth-line guy. Um, but Andre Svechnikov, one goal in 12 games. Ajo's got three and seven, but one of those is the extra attacker goal, and two of those are empty net goals. Martin Natchez has two goals in his last 31 games. Uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, none in 11. 
Seth Jarvis, who I guess will draw in, because I would imagine Jordan Martinuk is out for a while. Uh, yeah. Jarvis is 0 for his last 18. Power play is 0 for its last four games. Um, mm-hmm. so, 0 for 10. Yeah. So Carolina's best producers, and Trocek broke uh, an eight-game, is it an eight-game drought tonight? Uh, yes, yeah. Trocek broke an eight-game drought tonight. So Carolina's best producers have not produced. And yeah. with some of the depth scoring kind of gone, I mean, it kind of explains why they're not scoring. Am I, I, did, do they have to get a top six forward now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know, uh, like, Waddell's always talked about a defenseman. Um, and I always kind of felt like they don't really need that necessarily. But, um, yeah, I mean, if the, I mean, who, how do you get that, though? How do you get a top six defenseman? I mean, a, a top six forward or a, or a top four D? I mean, a, I mean, I mean, a top six, uh, top six forward. Well, I mean, you have to give up. I mean, I they were they were in on Claude Giroux. I don't believe they are anymore. I expect uh, that in the next twenty four hours that we will uh, hear about a trade to the Florida Panthers. Um, I mean, it feels like it feels like one guy that I would be willing to give up. And I feel like that's Martin Natchez. Yeah, but the, the well, I mean, he might be, he he might be part of any trade going out. But let's re, we have to remember this: uh, Giroux makes more than eight million. I just don't know how they would fit. They money would have to go back. Not only would money a, a player would have to go back, but Philly would have to retain half, and then you would have to launder that through another team. Um, because right now it's like seven point. Two million is the ceiling for somebody they can afford to uh, without going through a, th- a fourth team because um, you can't retain more than half. So if Philly retained half and then another team retained half of that, you're still over the cap. So money would have to be going the other way. Um, I don't think they're interested in trading. Uh, if they want to win a Stanley Cup, I mean, I don't know that you can give up. Martin Natchez. I mean, right. So what are we talking about then? Cause so you're talking, talking about, about prospects this. and draft picks that, that is what they would be willing to give up. Even though Don Waddell told us what two days ago that they were not really interested in giving up that first round pick. But right. if they want to get a legitimate top six forward, I yeah. think that I first round pick is going to go. I don't think they're going to do anything. I don't personally. I think they're going to go. I think they're going to add two depth pieces. Yeah, if they if they add something, it's going to be, you know, nothing special. You know who would have been good for this team? Frank Vetrano. Yeah, the guy from Florida, Florida who's now with oh, the Rangers. I, was, I liked him. No, he's. I mean, he's he's he plays with some speed. He plays with some edge. He's got a little bit of a scoring touch. They need that. They need, essentially what they need is a better version of Jordan Martinuk. Somebody plays with a little bit of an edge, uh, has some speed, and can score. So, you know, there's a, that, to me, that's what they're going to end up getting. Now, what they really need, honestly, and I was told by a mutual friend of ours who would know this, he said, 
if he said, if I, he told me this three weeks ago, if I were them, I would do anything I could to get Giroux from Philly. But I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And I, cause I don't think they're willing to give Philly what it would take to get him unless they knew they could sign him. And I don't believe that's something they can do. They're not paying Claude Giroux seven and a half million dollars at age 35 for four years. That ain't happening. This, this organization will never do it. Right. Never. But do also, it. how does he, Giroux's a center though, right? Well, he can play either position. He can play center or wing. So you can, I mean, theoretically, if you added him, you could put him on the left side of Vaho and Taravainen. And then you can let Svechnikov play with Trocek and whoever's playing on the right side, Nages. You you could do that very easily. You'd have two dynamite scoring lines. And then Carolina's consistently best line, Stahl, Faust, and Niederreiter. See, here's the, the, what they really need is the stall line is so good, but at some point, Rod's going to have to take Nino, who can obviously score, and he's going to have to put him on one of those top two lines. He's going to have to. They're just going to have to make the stall line a checking line and deal with it. it and it's not going to create offense. But Nino's been, like on the low, Nino's been almost consistently really good every game. Yeah, I think he's been pretty good. I think Trocek has been really good. I think Nino's been really good. Uh, Faust, I think, has been good. Um, man, I thought Stahl was good again tonight. Yeah, I thought that line was fine. I thought the, the fourth line fourth line had their moments. I thought the fourth line, um, although they got victimized on the first goal, uh, they might have been on the ice for two goals. I actually think they were on the ice for two goals. Um, yeah, because I think they were on the ice for the third. No, that was the uh, the third goal. Ajo's line was out there, but, I mean, that was an Ian Cole experience. Um but that line wasn't very good. I mean, SAT was not good. And then uh, then they demoted Ajo. <laughs> they they bumped Trocek up to the top line and had Ajo stay, skate with Natchez and Martinuk until the injury. Um, Sebastian wasn't very good. Seba- I think Sebastian's just been kind of okay. He hasn't been great. I think he was excellent against Colorado. To me, he was one of the best players. He might have been the best player against Colorado. As a matter of fact, uh, I think I gave him. I think I gave him the first star in that game, even though Auntie Ranta had uh, the shutout. Um, and there are people who are still mad about that, by the way, which is weird. Um, but the, but I don't think Ajo's been great the last three games, and. They, they need him. He's their guy. They need him to be great just about every night, uh, especially when they're not scoring. And he, I don't think he's been great last few games. So it, it almost makes me wonder if he's, if there's something like ailing him. His face-off percentage has dwindled to the point where it's just over 50% now. I'll bet you he's around 40% the last month. If we went and looked at it. I feel like the Canes as a team haven't been as good either. They were they were pretty good in the faceoff circle tonight. I mean, they won overall the faceoff battle, but it was what they won like fifty three percent of the draws. Yeah, it's not bad. But I, no, it's it's not bad. It's just I feel like they've lost. They haven't been as good or as dominant. No, 
as in the past lately. I feel like they've lost some face-off battles a lot lately. Oh, they have. Like, I mean, like the overall numbers at the end of the game. I think they lost the face-off battle against Philly, even though they won the game. They weren't great in that game, but they won the game. They got away with it. They played better against Pittsburgh in, in a loss than they did against Philly in a win. Um, Ethan, did you did you like Ethan Bear? Has, see, the, the reason yeah. I'm more bullish on a forward now than I was than I am uh, adding a defenseman is because I think Bear has played well enough to the point where I think they're probably okay with him on a third pair, whether it's Bear and Smith or Bear and Cole. I think they're cool having that as a third pair. Uh, or even using D'Angelo on a third pair uh, in the playoffs to sort of protect Bear and his lack of foot speed because Slavin's out there. Um, I still think D'Angelo is their better player, um, so you'd rather have him having more ice time than Ethan Bear, but uh, I, think they're an, I think they're good enough in their top five when healthy, and six is either Cole or Smith, and that's cool. I think they can get away with that. I'd add one depth piece if I could on the back end. Somebody who could skate. Heck, uh, they, you think they could get Hayden Flurry from Seattle? <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah, but no, they, I was kidding. But they're uh, not going. They need somebody, but, yeah, who could, they, somebody who could skate, somebody with a big body. So I mean, what's wrong with Chatfield? Uh I think as a, as an emergency player, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I don't think he's ready for that moment. So if this guy has to play, I'd rather somebody who has played in high level games. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if we're talking about going out and getting that, like, I don't feel as worried about him. Like, I don't. If we're talking about going to get a five six defenseman or whatever, I'd rather just. <laughs> not not give anything up and let him roll. All right, but it, w- what you're giving up for that, let's just say uh, Justin it's, it's Braun. minimal. Yeah, you're giving up like a fourth-round pick. So yeah. I have no problem doing that for a veteran who's been around, who can play. Um, I, I love Chatfield's future. I just don't know if Jalen Chatfield on the ice in a playoff game is what Rod Brindamore wants. Yeah. Probably not, but I feel all right about it. Okay, I don't well, care. Is the- <laughs> like, like I'm good with it. Like, I don't think there's that big of a difference between okay. what you're going to get and what he brings. And of course, but, we're, t- we're talking about hopefully never having to see it anyway. Yeah, right. So to me, like, yeah, you got to give up something minimal, but you still got to give something up. So if you don't have to give something up, don't do it. And I don't think you have to. All right then, then don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You, you. I think you and I will disagree on that. I think uh, I'd rather have a, a, as as a a backup to the backup plan. I'd rather have somebody who has played in those games before. Um, uh, again, that'll ho- be fine. <laughs> I hope we don't have to see him. That's the thing. I hope we don't have to have. Hope we don't have to see Jalen Chatfield play in a playoff game because that means that something went wrong to two guys. And uh, nobody wants to see that. Um, all right, sir. We got to do this tomorrow against Washington. Uh, the Rangers did uh, Carolina a favor. Rangers lost to yeah. I saw uh, to that. The except the Can- I saw that. Except the Canes lost. So cool. But 
would have been nice to get a win on top of that. Uh, but Pittsburgh picked up a win in St. Yeah. Louis. So Pittsburgh is now uh, four points back, but Carolina has a game in hand. And if Carolina does what they're supposed to do uh, and starts winning hockey games again, they will be in good shape. Uh, but kind of, you know, Washington and then the Rangers, these two, this four-game homestand, it's going to be fun. Washington, the Rangers, Tampa, Dallas. Let's have some fun. It's going to be, it's a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet, but uh, it's a lot of uh, playoff-like games. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Dave Panyota today. Uh, I was DMing him, DMing with him during the game. And uh, he says, will, will Carolina stop hitting this kid in the chest with the puck? Can they pick a corner? I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that they can. I'm not sure that they can. Yeah, but the, when they pick a corner and they miss the goal, I'm pissed about that too. I am too. I am too. There's, there's no question. But you can still miss the goalie every once in a while. Stop hitting the yeah. goalie with the puck. Yeah, so, and I mean, just get the rebound too. Yeah. Well, again, that's the, that's the box. That's what they're doing. And I think they realize that Carolina uh, has not... It, I mean, if I were scouting Carolina, there's not the same... They don't have too many of those players, right? Even Andre doesn't work as strong as Andre is. He doesn't work the middle of the ice. Right. The guys who work the middle of the ice, Trocek, Stahl, Niederreiter, Fost, heck, Ajo, better than uh, than Andre in the middle, but I don't think, again, I don't think Ajo's been all that great of late. All right, sir. We'll uh, we'll do this again tomorrow night. I can't wait. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you then. All right. So just to sum up, and we thank Alec Campbell for his time, offense is dried up. When your offense dries up, you have to not do the other things that Carolina has been doing that has created goals the other way. Uh, you needed a big save from Freddie. The first goal was unacceptable. You needed a big save from Freddie on the second one. But again, it's Mitch Marner. It's in tight. It's a two-on-one. So it's not a bad goal, but you really needed a save. Didn't get it. Uh, so now it's 2 nothing, and you are really chasing the game, and Carolina was just struggling to score. This, is, this sort of reminds me of the Jordan Stahl experience when he went like 30-some-odd games without a goal. There were tons of opportunities and no goals. So, But this we've seen from this team before uh, that the, that switch will flip. Maybe it will happen tomorrow night against the Washington Capitals, or tonight by the time you listen to this, and that switch will flip, and all of a sudden they'll start scoring some goals because they need to do it. They need to beat Washington because the truth of the matter is that right now they figure to play either Washington or Boston. By the way, this version of Boston that we're seeing right now is different than the version that Carolina beat all three times this year and outclassed all three times. I still think Carolina's better than the Bruins, still. The version that we're watching of Carolina right now doesn't score goals. They need to start uh, getting back to scoring goals. So the Mikhaev goal, unacceptable. Carolina didn't get enough out of the first period, end up trailing one nothing when they were the better team. Uh, then you have the mistake by Slavin that leads to the Marner goal, his 24th, third against the Canes. Uh, really good pass by Lilgren. 
Uh, and then Tavares with the chip past Slavin for the goal. Yeah, I thought that second period was pretty even, uh, but the Canes couldn't break through. You had Shea in tight early on in the period. Uh, Jordan Stahl had two chances, including one off the post that you heard in the open. Um, Ethan Bear scores early in the third period. He pounced on a loose puck. in the, the initial shot never got through. I think it was Jesper Foster's shot never got through. It just fell into the high slot. Bear pounced on it, ripped it through. Uh, but that's how you're going to have to score goals, getting to the middle of the ice, and Carolina hasn't done a good enough job of that. Um, so, and that was a good shift. And that, I think the stall line was really starting to play well. And then right after the Andrei Svechnikov high sticking penalty expires, Ian Cole turns the puck over just outside the blue line, bad pass. And you're, you're, you're toast. You're absolutely toast. Nylander to Kasha too easy. Three, one, the Trocek goal with the extra attacker with 3.6 seconds left. Nice. We scored a goal, but at that point, why? Why, you know, you, you have no chance to win. Uh, so, uh, Hurricanes have a little bit of, uh, it's, a, it's not soul-searching because they played well, uh, but they have to figure out. They have to, they're going to have to break through and score some goals. It's hard to win these games 2-1, one nothing, and they have been basically trying to do that for a long time. Uh, and again, I'll just bring up the number again. Last nine games, 20 goals overall, two of them empty netters, two of them sixth attacker goals. So you've scored 16 goals in real play in the last nine games. Hard to win. Uh, All right, we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Check them out online, aluminumcompany.com. Sammy Hanna's crew do a great job. So by all means, take your all your home improvement needs over there. Also, follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can give us a rating and a review, and uh, that would be nice. Uh, but really, all we want you to do is follow it so it shows up automatically in your phone. You don't have to wonder. Like uh, our friend Moose on Twitter uh, said, hey, did I miss it? Uh, it's not loaded. And actually, it was my fault because I hadn't pushed send. But still, don't ask me about it. It shows up on your in your phone or wherever you get your podcast automatically. All right, until uh, until the Canes and the Capitals are done, I'm Adam. Bye. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsfan.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.